This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, January 29, 2023. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. Today, I'll talk about an idea that may be blown out of proportion, but it is a concern of mine. It's regarding the police in this nation, its role in our communities, and the possible long-term effects that can happen when we lose confidence in law enforcement. But first, let's talk about legislation for sale to the highest bidder. Here's how it works. Those who pump millions of dollars into our political campaigns are going to get something in return. The outright purchasing of political influence in this country has gotten out of hand, especially since the infamous 2010 Supreme Court ruling of Citizens United. Are the rich people running this nation? Are they the ones behind the idea of imposing a nationwide 30% sales tax, which would hardly touch those with lots of money, but would devastate those in the middle and lower classes? Legislation shouldn't be for sale, but here we are. Those that raise the most money in their campaigns usually win their elections and off to Congress they go, making laws that betray the people that voted for them. Well, there is hope. Move to amend is behind a constitutional amendment that will render the Citizens United decision irrelevant. The constitutional amendment will put an end to corporate rule and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. For more information on how our government has been corrupted by unrestricted campaign financing and what you can do about it, you can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. When I hear about the reports of police brutality, including the horrifying beating death of Tyree Nichols, I wonder how many decades or centuries police have gotten away with such brutality. Now that everybody carries a cell phone and there are cameras installed on buildings and houses just about everywhere, we are beginning to see these beatings on video in our living rooms during the nightly news. Now to be sure, there are a lot of people for whom these videos are nothing new. They've lived this reality for generations, but there are also many folks who are rightfully shocked and horrified. I was living in the Los Angeles area at the time of the Rodney King beatings and the riots that erupted after the police officers involved were largely acquitted. To my innocent suburban mind at the time, I wasn't sure what was happening or why. Why all the rage? Why all the riots? I've since figured it out. Rodney King's beating was nothing new to the people that lived in constant fear of the police, but there was hope that now that actual evidence was shown to the public, things would change. Justice would be served. But sadly, that was not the case. Even when the beatdown was captured on video and presented in the court of law, the jury still failed to convict. It appeared that not only were the police in clear betrayal of the public, but the courts, and to a large degree the media, was in on it too. This must have shocked the community and pushed it into a pit of hopelessness and sparked unimaginable rage. And over the years, these videos of police beatings became more and more prevalent. Yet, it still continues. 
The evidence is right in front of us. We need only turn to YouTube to see hours and hours of these horrific videos. But still, it continues. Even as the life was squeezed out of George Floyd in broad daylight on a street in Minneapolis, bystanders didn't or perhaps couldn't intervene, but they did record the video. It too was an especially horrific video, and it launched a huge backlash from around the world. For a time, it looked like it could be a turning point where police departments would finally change their ways. Did it make a lasting difference? Yeah, it might have, but the difference obviously wasn't absolute. I believe that to some degree, the movement to end police brutality was hijacked by an argument over the so-called defund the police movement, which turned the issue of police brutality into a political football rather than a righteous unified response from all of society. The end result, through all this controversy, was that civilians' confidence in the police had been shaken. The tragedy here is that the primary objective of law enforcement is to ensure that laws are obeyed. The laws themselves are simply a set of written agreements that we citizens make with each other in order to live in peace and security in our homes and our businesses. But as confidence in law enforcement is diminished, we drift toward a disorganized society. A further tragedy is the police officers themselves. Yes, there are some good ones out there. I have personal experience with police officers that really do care about their community and really do want to do the right thing. But when brutal videos portray cops as thugs, it demoralizes even the good officers. They can get demoralized, and many, many simply leave the profession altogether. I titled this podcast Mount Exodus, based on a story I read last October that refers to police officers leaving en masse from the St. Louis City Police Department. Mount Exodus refers to the mountain of police uniforms and bulletproof vests and other gear left behind when an officer quits or retires from the police department. All that gear was thrown into a heap at the police department, reportedly making a mountain 7 feet high and 10 feet wide. In the case of St. Louis, the police department is staffed to the national average of police officers per capita, but it's also understaffed when you consider the crime rate in the community. Each officer that leaves the department puts an additional load on those that remain, making each active officer take on more hours with more stress, which threatens to cause burnout among them. So where does it end? What happens if too many police officers leave the department and there's not enough new officers to replace them? What'll happen if cities like St. Louis or Memphis or Minneapolis fail to retain adequate numbers of police officers to sufficiently enforce the laws? Well, it seems obvious that when too many cops walk off the job, there would be a significant breakdown of law and order. Without police officers to respond to emergency calls, enforce traffic laws, and investigate crimes, criminal activity would likely increase. Now, I'm not a social scientist, so, so that's sort of my own knee-jerk reaction. I'm just assuming that, for all their faults, the cops do keep an eye on criminal activity and do have some positive impact on the level of crime in our communities. Now, could such a breakdown of law and order really take place? Well, honestly, I don't think this would ever be the case because 
at some point, state governors would jump into the fray and call in the National Guard. To be sure, that would be a difficult and chaotic situation. It actually happened in Los Angeles during the Rodney King riots, but that was a temporary situation. As soon as the riots subsided, the National Guard withdrew. On a more realistic level, we're already seeing some troubling developments take place right here in Missouri. The rallying cries of defund the police have apparently scared some politicians into believing that the only solution is to seize control of local police departments and consolidate that control within a governor-appointed board of commissioners. Now, believe it or not, this is already the case in Kansas City, whose police department has been under control of a state board of commissioners since 1939. In fact, Kansas City is the only major city in the country that lacks control over its own police department. Now, the history of how this came about goes back to a policy originally born out of pro-slavery leaders' attempt to maintain power some 150 years ago. They maintained power by disenfranchising local communities. In the case of Kansas City, the black population was growing exponentially after the Civil War, so, in the view of the racist white population, the only solution was to consolidate the police under the thumb of the state's governor. St. Louis was also under the same degree of control, but by popular statewide vote broke out of that control structure back in 2013, about 10 years ago. Now, my concern now is that the idea of centralizing the control of police departments is catching on in Missouri, and the state legislature has already set its sights on the city of St. Louis. In fact, a bill has been submitted to the state Senate floor, SB 78, that attempts to seize control of any city police department if and when that city's population exceeds 500,000 people. I can only imagine that the idea of centralizing police forces under a centralized state control would quickly spread to other states as well. This is a dangerous power grab because it removes local control over local issues, further disenfranchising people just as it did 150 years ago. Now, it's obvious to me that power-hungry politicians are actively seeking to use tragedies like the beating of Tyree Nichols in order to build and consolidate more power. In my opinion, it takes an especially weak-minded person to believe that he or she could solve problems of society through the consolidation of power. History is full of tyrants that started out their quests for power ostensibly for the good of the people, but in the end served only their own self-interests and taking a terrible toll on society before being brutally overthrown. The bottom line is that the recent reports of police brutality and the increasing prevalence of videos capturing these incidents have led to a loss of trust in law enforcement agencies. While I believe there are good cops, the action of a few shakes the confidence of civilians and fellow officers, which may result in officers leaving their departments for other careers. If cities fail to retain enough police officers to enforce laws, it might lead to a breakdown of law and order. While I don't think this is very likely, it does cue up the idea of centralized authorities emerging to seize control over local police departments. This centralization of power is the antithesis of a well-run democracy. I mean, can you imagine democracy surviving in an environment where your local law authority is run by central command? 
And how long will it be before city governments themselves are perceived as being ineffective and thereby taken over by a centralized authority? Democracy cannot and will not survive in this environment. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and whether or not you agree with my concerns, I hope I was able to make you think. I don't want agreement. I simply want to inspire your ability to think and then act upon your beliefs. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week.